two games left in the Lakers season, including the one that's happening right now on Sunday against the Jazz at home, which we won't be able to include in our discussion because as you might be able to guess, we're recording this during slash beforehand (laughs) as per usual. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and recklessly declare as always that we'll get nothing interesting or pertinent from this game. And for the last two weeks, we have been uh, delightfully wrong with those predictions. Delightfully (laughs) wrong. Just going to roll the dice today. But we should watch out for Jamario Jones and Alex Caruso, who started tonight. First start for Jamario Jones. Very cool. Oh, so it's so it's so fun. It's so fun to watch Luke make some choices that I actually agree with on lineups. <laughs> crazy. They've both been on a tear. Last few games, a couple of like highlight dunks. Crazy. We'll get to that later. You know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. And uh, honestly, I just hope Jamario Jones as well, because his postgame interviews have been one of the most delightful things to come out of the past couple of weeks in basketball. I love when guys first get to the NBA because they don't have that (laughs) shut off filter, you know, of making sure everything is a cliche and nothing can blow up and get them in trouble. So he just says whatever comes to his mind. And it's it's really, really nice. Yeah. His uh, smiles and laughter are life-giving for me right now. I also just like that the Lakers are playing competent basketball once again. it's, It's been a minute. But the last six or seven games, whether it's a consequence of the fact that they were eliminated from the playoffs and now the stakes are gone, or it's just a matter of putting in players who actually care and want to play hard. Yeah, I think there's a combo of competence and uplifting, where like even if they were mildly competent, it was really not uplifting because they were like just depressing. Yeah, it was depressing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but and now then, with the you know flattened lottery odds, like there wasn't really much to gain for the Lakers from losing all these games. So the fact that they're winning, it's just building good habits, and you know who's creating mad? some momentum going into the offseason. What you know who's mad about this? You said it. I was like, you know who's really mad because a lot of people in like a Lakers Twitter slash you know fan yes. whatever are cool with like not losing mm-hmm. because like like you said, there's no really no real reason to like. But you know who is mad about it? It's the guys from Silver Screen and Roll. The Can You Dig It podcast. Can You Dig It. Oh, my God. Are they mad, too? Oh, which one were you talking about? I wasn't even talking about that. I was talking about Show Tiempo. <laughs> the Show Tiempo boys are so mad. Only one of them. Oh, because Christian's also mad about it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Guys. Get your heads out of your asses, honestly. <laughs> There's no reason to be mad about this. I have uh, posited that this is our offering to the basketball gods. Yeah. You know, that we are trying hard. We I are playing that. well, right? It's, yeah. It's going to reward us. Absolutely. I, I agree with that 100%. I, I don't know why. I'm, I like, if we're doing the tank thing, I don't really care. Like, I'm for it. Tank, whatever. But since we're not, who's going to be mad about losing? We did so much tanking. It's, it's Right? I can't do it anymore. <laughs> I've only I done can't. tanking. <laughs> I've literally only done tanking. I'm over it. Let's, yeah, so now, let's move on. Now we're like a competent basketball team. We're beating playoff teams, you know? Yeah. Really fun games We're just this destroying week. spirit. We're crushing spirits. That's Manipulating what we're all about. playoff seating. I mean, we're, we're a factor in this in a way that we have not been for most of the season. Somebody asked Luke in a post game whether that was like something that they were thinking about. Mm-hmm. Was like beating playoff teams just to spite them. And he was like... Uh, no, that's not really under consideration. Oh, uh, I will say JaVale had a very different response to that question when he got Luke can't the same say yes. prompting. Luke 
can't say he yes. He basically said, uh, <laughs> we have nothing else to play for. So yeah, damn right we're going to try to mess up people's playoff seating. Absolutely. That's how I feel. Yeah. JaVale speaks for the masses in that way. Luke can't say it. I get it. I mean, Luke can say whatever he wants now. He doesn't. He's not going to have this job in another two games. So. But he's also he also can't say that. <laughs> so he's just... He's caught in a few little webs here. Ah, yes. I think he's just, he's been as generic as he's ever been in the Every past Every single weeks. Luke Walton media availability is just cliche upon it's cliche. Worth, it's not even worth asking questions at this point. Playing out the string, indeed. Which is why I hope that if you have one takeaway from this podcast, it's to go watch Jamario Jones' post-game interviews from the Warriors and Clippers games. Even Caruso's great. Caruso's great, too. He had this whole extended bit the other day about how during <laughs> halftime they told Lance to tune the air guitar. Oh, God. Because they were missing threes during the first half, so clearly it was a little out of tune. So credit to Lance for being a great teammate and guitar tuner, oh, and they good, just started yeah. bombing them in the second really half. <laughs> I do have to say, when Alex Caruso does the air guitar, I don't hate it. Yeah, I, I can. I know exactly why you hate the air guitar. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the air guitar itself. So we're going to move on to... After a very long and fun intro, we're going to move on to our favorite first section, Daddy LeBron. Dad LeBron, Daddy LeBron, Daddy LeBron. It's all over the place, but all we know is that he's our daddy. And I want to talk today about, first of all, I want to I want to talk about the essence of Daddy LeBron, what it means, what it means to us, because we've sort of been using it. I'm not really talking a whole lot about what it really means. I think people can sort of get an idea, but I just want to, I want to clarify. So it's LeBron taking care of us. He's taking care of us. He's taking responsibility for our team's success, taking the wheel, so to speak. <laughs> so everyone's favorite daddy did an interview with Allie Clifton of Spectrum Sportsnet this week. It's like an exit interview, basically for Spectrum, um, which you should watch. It's 10 minutes, not that long. And it covers his injury, a little, little bit of Luke Walton, not that much. That part's not that interesting because like, obviously he's not going to say anything. Also, it's not necessary to maintain a relationship with Luke Walton. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he's, he's just like, yeah, Luke is great. That's pretty much it. Um, and then he also talks about his mindset going into next season, which is worth listening to. The injury stuff is probably the most interesting. Oh, actually, you can't say that. The injury, the injury stuff is really interesting, but the most interesting thing is the last thing he says, which I'm sure everybody's seen on Twitter by now. Um, so Christian Rivas wrote this story up for Silver Screen and Roll on Friday, so you can go get the link through the video there and some like great writing and analysis on it. There's some great like candid moments about the experience of getting his first big injury. He talks about like what it was like in the locker room, seeing that his team which had been up by 18, was now up by one and wanting to go back out on the court and being told no and what it was like to be told no when you want to be there for your team. And I just think that's, I just think that's very daddy. I think that's what we expect from him. It was really hard just as a fan to watch that because yeah. we've come to just sort of expect that LeBron is this cyborg, this, yeah. you know, not succumb to mortal injuries like the rest of us, you know. And I mean, I remember watching that Christmas Day game on mute because, you know, I had a lot of family in the house and just, impossible to like actually have the sound on because it would just be unreasonably yeah. loud but like LeBron not coming back into the game just was inexplicable because like how does he not play against the Warriors this is this is what LeBron does yeah, literally yeah. plays in the marquee games on Christmas Day against the Warriors for him to have to deal with that fact himself oh. yeah yeah he it, he 
the thing that was really interesting was how in denial he was about it. He was so like, he was so in denial. He wanted to go out on the court right away. He was like, I'll just throw some ice on it. Just throw some ice on it. And they were like, "Eh, I don't think so. And he, he thought he was going to be able to go back on the court that day. And they just them telling him that he was, that they were going to have to reevaluate him for the next game was like crushing for him. It was crushing for us. I mean, yeah. for whatever reason, however the Lakers handle their injury reporting. I mean, we all <laughs> thought it was just going to be a couple days. <laughs> and then just extended yeah. and extended. and Yeah. it it. I mean, it, that kind of injury, it's hard to see right away how long it's going to be. But the, the reporting was, the injury reporting was just not, not cool. It wasn't cool. But then he also talks about how this season was a disappointment. His words. In my words, too, but also his words. <laughs> I mean, I, I choose some more colorful language to describe it. Disappointment yeah. <laughs> will suffice Disappointment for now. works. Um, no doy. Not just missing the playoffs, but also being, and this is heartbreaking, disappointed in his body because of the injury. And he just always talks about how there's no, like, he doesn't need pressure from the outside. There just is no pressure from the outside. He has all this internal motivation. It's internal motivation, but it's like, pressure that he puts on himself and you could see how that like manifested when he got his first big injury where he had to miss weeks and he forced himself to come back early and we kind of talked about this last mm-hmm. week too but it was really interesting and he he sort of foreshadowed a little bit of a crazy off season he predicts where he's trying to get his body right and tight he's just trying to do this so that magic johnson doesn't get in trouble for tampering again <laughs> He literally, this is what he said. He said he's too excited to even talk about this offseason of how good his body is going to be. Bro, I'm on board. <laughs> I'm on board. That reflects how I, I need to get like a studio pass to watch some shooting of Space Jam too. Dude, LeBron, keep posting on Instagram. Keep posting those workouts on Instagram because I want it. I want to see it. And he did. He already showed us that he has bounce in the last like two weeks before he got pulled, before he got benched. He showed us he has some bounce still, and he showed us what he looks like probably at, like, 75, you think? 75%? I mean, he was probably, like, 80-85 before he got 80, out. 80-85? Yeah, I mean, I would imagine he should have missed the rest better. of the season, probably. Yeah, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't either. Not a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> he already showed us he has some bounce, and he says he's going to get to 120% this offseason with his body, so... I don't even know what the f*** that means, but I cannot wait. I am excited to see Immortal LeBron once more. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The one who just takes over games. That'll be fun. He's going into final boss mode, and I can't wait to see it. Just taking care of business, you know? That LeBron. That LeBron taking care of business, and now we get to taking the wheel because he said those magical words at the end. The The quote you've seen, quote, I am looking forward to seeing who jumps in the car with me to take this ride to the top, baby. <laughs> well, the baby was not in the quotes, yes, just for I added clarity. That. Yes, I had that, but I think it's well, not attribute that to LeBron incorrectly. <laughs> I think it sums up the spirit of the statement. I wonder if that was rehearsed. Do you think he made that up no, on the that, spot? That sounds like the type of really corny cliche that LeBron loves to trade in. Mm. You know? Nothing against him. He just says some really, like, corny like things sometimes. <laughs> I like that one. I think that one has some pizzazz to it, even if it is corny. He is always corny, so it just is what it is. But I say, who's coming? Who's hopping in? Uh, I'm in the my trunk. My first guess is Jimmy Go- Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler? 
I I mean, there's rumblings. And by rumblings, I mean, I listen to the Locked On Lakers podcast <laughs> where Pete Zayas says that he thinks Kawhi is the most likely superstar. And I, I would agree with that. But, I mean, like we've discussed before, Jimmy Butler doesn't qualify as a superstar. Right. So I think he's most likely of the max level free agents mm-hmm. that would come. Would you rather have Kemba or... Jimmy Butler. Butler. Yeah. He's just so much better on defense. I don't like the way small guards age. I feel like uh, Steph is kind of an exception to that, but even then he's much bigger than Kemba is. He's a superstar, yeah. Yeah. There's a difference. I think Jimmy, too, like, fits better maybe with what we need from a person who's going to be alongside LeBron. I do love Kemba's offensive ability much more than Butler's. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that, that shooting around LeBron would be really nice. It would. But you can get that elsewhere, I feel. I feel In like theory. it's not necessary. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> true. Don't get too overconfident with this. Oh, that's going to – that's been the, the – eternal bugaboo of the 2018-19 Lakers season. And the, like, this will be the downfall of our offseason if we expect way too much on the surrounding parts. I just uh... – <laughs> I have no more expectations of the Lakers front office, but I can't quit them. They're so much fun to watch. I was I was watching that OKC game like three days after it happened because I had a T-vote where Caruso went on that huge run, and I I was giddy watching it, watching a recorded Laker game that the Lakers were going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> I was giddy because this is this is my team. I just I love them so much when they play well. It's so much fun to watch, and I think we have so many good options. Like I think the part of the reason why this last stretch has been so much better than like the last like two three weeks have been so much better than the previous like uh, month or so at least two months or something was because we now have seen some like stellar talent that can go on next year's team yeah all it takes it's literally they're already on the team they're already on the team all they have to do is bring them back it's crazy and a lot of people don't even trust them to do that everyone's like no i hope that Oh, golly, I hope that they don't let Caruso go by the wayside. It's like, oh, my God, is it is it really that bad where we're not even sure that they're going to keep a guy who is clearly going crazy and, like, playing the best that he's ever played? Yeah, I think the – Who's the already Thomas, on the goddamn team? The Thomas Bryant, Ivica Zubac oh. residue kind of oh, stinks there. Oh, God, that actually is exactly what happened with Zubats. But as long as we're talking about the little ones. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. I do want to say one thing. LeBron, take the wheel. <laughs> Let's move on to our kitty's corner. Kitty corner. It's our favorite corner. Um, favorite segment of the podcast. Mine anyway. Yeah. I do. Mm-hmm. I love the kitties. Um, it's going to be a little bit more serious this week. I have a really, a really serious thing that I want to talk about. As the season winds down, you know, we have some real concerns about the kitty's future. Caruso, uh, Jamario Jones, and not just the, like, kitty kitties. But like Lonzo, Coos Lonzo, Coos, Hart, Brandon Ingram. Yeah. We, we don't know what's going to happen with all these boys who we are so invested in. And, you know, w- when I look at like Zubats and D'Angelo Russell, I have some real concerns. And I think everybody has some real concerns. And it's like, okay, now they're going to ball out elsewhere and they're going to get so much better. And that happened with Randall as well. But there's some other things to think about. And something we have to grapple with as a fan base, as a franchise, this is really worrisome to me and I'm really disappointed and surprised at the Lakers media and blogosphere for not talking about this issue. Um, I think it's something we really need to be on high alert with for Zubots because I can already see 
I can already see it happening um, as he progresses outside of the Lakers infrastructure. And, I, you know, I'd love to maybe look at Randall. I haven't really been paying attention to the Pelicans this Nobody's season. Nobody's paying attention to the Pelicans. Yeah, so. so I don't really know what's going on with Randall over there. Maybe we need to look at some other young players the Lakers have ill-advisedly let go. So what I'm talking about is the utter humiliation of how much hotter D'Angelo Russell got after he left the Lakers. Um, it really just shows they're not thinking of their fans, um, especially their women and gay fans. So you could even say that it's actually it's actually sexist and homophobic and sort of shows that they don't think of their female and gay fans in a real way. You know, sending his body 3,000 miles away from mine when there's just no possibility of randomly bumping into him on the street and being like taken with each other and then finding out we're perfect for each other right as he transforms into a solid 8.5 out of 10 i'm livid and you know my biggest fear for the summer is that magic and palinka will just recklessly trade brandon ingram who is already becoming one of the most low-key handsome men in the league i think ruby red lips he always looks like he's giving you the eyes. See, I was always. worried that your Nets fandom was like taking over at a certain point, but no, this is this is just an entirely different tangent we're going on. Here. No, this is not. This is not just. This Nets. is not just Nets. <laughs> no. And also Lonzo Ball, who you know his acne heavily hinted at clearing up this season. I also prefer the buzz to the fro for Lonzo. He he really upgraded his hair situation yes. a lot. Um, so you can already see it happening. Um, he got a lot bigger. His body got a lot better. Um, I think he's just going to be even more ripped to shreds next season. He had, came into the season with dad strength, and I think he's going to come into next season with just, like, full family man strength. Family yeah. man strength. And you know what? He became a dad this season, but next season he will have come into his own fully and taken full control of his affairs. And I'm just worried that we're going to miss out on what that could bring to his sex sexiness factor. <laughs> I'm really worried about that. Um, so there these these two boys, Brandon Ingram, I mean men, these two men, Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball, they're just like ripe for the hunking next season. Mm-hmm. And I think we're gonna miss it. And that terrifies me. <laughs> Cause Josh Hart and Kyle Kuzma, Kuzma always misspoken hot, always will be. He's, you know, he might glow up. I think he already did. I think that already happened I think for him. We have reached peak Kyle Kuzma. Yeah, yeah, with these two, I'm I'm more. I think Josh Hart is also pretty much where he's going to be. He's like he's a right little cutie. <laughs> I think he's a right little cutie, and I I think my issue with them is more that getting rid of them is going to bring down the hotness potential of the team as a whole. As is firing Luke Walton, frankly. Yes. Oh yeah. my God. All We're of the get candidates some mentioned to replace Luke Walton are infinitely less attractive than him. <sighs> It's not even close. I'm going to have to go. Like, I'm literally going to have to go to Manhattan Beach. You know how far that is from where I live? (laughs) I have to go to Manhattan Beach and try to catch a glimpse of him playing volleyball or something. This is ridiculous. One of the great stories of the Lakers over the last, like, 15 years is how Luke Walton transformed from this, like, goofy end-of-the-bench guy who everybody made fun of because he was Bill Walton's son into, like, beefcake of the Lakers. happen but it's it's fascinating look i just say i think it's really unfair and it contributes to the erasure of male attracted lakers fan experience and why is no one talking about this to be a huge story i really think i really think that part of the reason it's not being talked about is because nba and lakers coverage is so centered on the cishet male experience i also think that there's just a, a lot of subjectivity when it comes to attractiveness right 
Whereas I can... think with Kyle Kuzma, there is an objectivity <laughs> that we have to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Brandon Ingram, I can understand that's like a more subjective thing. But I do think that he has a very specific je ne sais quoi. And it's working for you. Clearly it's working for you. And my, my boyfriend thinks that he's the most attractive player in the league. <laughs> there, there's enough to talk about with the kitties if we're going to avoid the attractiveness of them, you know, because we've got Jamari Jones getting his first NBA start, signed on for the next season too already, <laughs> right? She's like, she's like, we're never talking about this again. <laughs> You're never allowed to write Kitty's Corner again. <laughs> yeah. I do want to, I do want to say though, that I have already noticed how much cuter Zubats looks in Clippers jerseys, and I'm scared. I would disagree with that. You think I you think disagree. it's a very similar level of attractiveness for Fitzy Zubats just, across his LA tenure. Maybe it's just the dark jerseys. He looked really good in the blue Clippers jerseys. Yeah, well, you don't like the Lakers purple jerseys, so that's probably why I didn't have a similar effect. More on that later. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Jamario Jones is wonderful. Yeah. And that kind of brings us to our next segment, the In Defense of. In Defense of. So I feel like a lot of uh, players in the modern NBA get a lot of flack when they have offensive limitations. You know, everyone mm-hmm. just says that you've got to build around shooters. Lonzo, poor Ahemplo. Poor Ahemplo. Yes. <laughs> I'm so sorry, everyone. And to Every be fair, we gave person. the Lakers a lot of flack for not prioritizing shooting in the offseason. Yeah. And, you know, admittedly so. There's a way to build a proper team and shooting has to take part of that. Right. But I do think that players with offensive limitations get too much on. And I think that's part of the, the beauty of Jamario Jones. Like, this guy, some real offensive limitations. Some <laughs> true. Doesn't really know how to shoot yet. He made four, self-proclaimedly made, I think he said four threes in high school. Yeah. <laughs> uh, watching him take jumpers is, is not the most aesthetically pleasing experience. No, no, no. But, these guys bring so much value to the table outside of being able to shoot, like the the pace, the energy, the defensive versatility, the rebounding. You watch Demario Jones on the court. He has so much activity. You feel his presence. There's so much value outside of shooting that players can bring. And I just think sometimes that's overlooked. Yeah. And a lot of the players the Lakers have, like Lonzo, like Demario Jones, Isaac Bonga's got this weird ass net rating that I'm not sure is indicative of anything, but he also can't shoot. <laughs> <laughs> he can't. I, he can pass. He can pass, yeah. There are so many other skills that these guys bring to the table. Just their motor is so important. And I yeah. think that shooting is a far more teachable skill than repetition motor, you know? I, I don't know that the Lakers are capable of doing that teaching. Right. But Well, I mean, I think one, one just a real example of that is that Kyle Kuzma, I don't remember when this happened, but he had some, like, crazy amazing, like, shooting game where he just, like, went crazy. And he had a kind of a rough season. Right. And he, after the game, he was like, no, that, that, that didn't just happen. Like, I spent three hours before the game just, like, putting up shots and doing repetition on it mm-hmm. so that I can make them in the game. Like, it is the kind of thing where you can, like, tweak your form as much as you want, but if you're just putting shots up and repetition and working on it then it's something that you can do exactly and i feel like some of these players that we have like caruso who had a label for not being a shooter earlier on they have been undervalued because they don't have this one easily identifiable skill yeah and the lakers have sort of exploited that to build you know their g league roster and target some players in the draft and i do think that that needs to be supplemented with shooting during the offseason. Right. Obviously, you can't have every single player on the roster be a non-shooter. 
But this just comes back to confidence. <laughs> confidence that the front office will identify that. Right. But... but I like that they've targeted these guys who have such high energy. And even if they have these offensive limitations, they still recognize that they're able to contribute in other ways. Yeah. And it, in ways that are really difficult to learn, too. Like making defensive reads is really hard. And it's something that you, just comes as like part of court vision. And if you don't have it, you're going to kind of be bumbling. Like Kuzma, as much as he works on his defense, and he did get better this year, like Mm -hmm. there have been results, but as much as you work on it, like if you don't have that skill already, it's 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 much harder to learn. Yeah, it's really hard. And I, I, this is why I don't feel worried about his threes, even though he's like kind of sucked this season, because it's something that he can just work on over the off season and like just put up a bunch of shots and like tweet. He should maybe stop tweaking his shooting form, but we'll see. He can put up the shots. But with defense, like, that's hard. That's a lot of in-game stuff that, like, you probably learn more during the season. Hard to work on over the summer, I would imagine, is, like, defensive vision. It's so impressive for these guys that don't have NBA game reps like Caruso and Jones to just immediately come in and have that kind of impact on defense. And when does that happen with young players? Yeah. Like, how often do you get a young player who can actually make an impact on defense? That never happens. Like, rookie yeah. point guards are always just given, like, the leeway to not yeah. focus on their defense, you know? Especially with how defense is being played now, where it's less physical. Like, physicality is, like, so much less of a factor in good defense because you're just going to foul. Yeah, it's officiated like, out. Yeah. Exactly. So, like people who are relying more on like finesse and reads and like having good hands and having the core vision that's much more important defensive traits now so it it is wonderful to have a few people who we know can at least come out and give the bench and if they stay brandon ingram and lonzo ball are great defensive starters and if we have caruso and not really bonga but i was thinking more jones Jones. Yeah. yeah then those would be a great, like, dynamo players to have come off the bench and, like, not just get, like, rolled over, like, steamrolled, basically. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Wonderful. I now have a little bit of a reverse in defensive. Usually we're, like... Super positive. Super positive. And the Kitty's Corner wasn't that positive this week either. I'm we got to stop letting you write segments, Sasha. I know. I, I should just be cut out. I should just be here <laughs> for comedic effect. Um, but I have a reverse in defensive. It's something that's been bothering me all season. And... It's another thing that I really feel like hasn't been talked about enough. Maybe at the beginning of the season. It's been talked about. We played it We played it out at the beginning of the season, but we haven't talked about it enough. Because out of all of the bullshit we went through this season, injuries, the moping, the air guitar oversaturation, again, I'm okay when Caruso does it, the like 850 million individual lineups that have been put out. And I really think that our analytics department has just been doing combination calculations, capital C. Get back to 10th grade math, y'all, to determine how many possible lineups we can put out there. Rondo's, like, exorbitant minutes via ass-kissing. Wake up, Luke. Wake up. He doesn't like you. (laughs) You're not the best coach he's ever had. Come on. (laughs) Rondo's playing it real well. Even that, like, the Clipper game on Friday, he got to play the entire fourth quarter along with KCP. (laughs) I I could not believe it. I mean, Luke, it's really time. It's time to figure this out. He's mailing it in. This is ridiculous. The Zubots trade? I mean. That was pretty bad. It was pretty bad, y'all. But the thing that has hurt me more even than that is how 
trash our jerseys have been this season. If I was Magic, I would be ashamed that those purple pinstriped abominations were designed after me. Remember the Black Mambas from last season? Those were so fire. Everybody looked so handsome. Can you imagine LeBron wearing them? LeBron looks really good in black jerseys. Oh my God. And the iconic moments of his Mm. Cleveland career are in black jerseys. You're totally right. We should. I'm, that makes it's a real me wasted opportunity. That it we really keep is those around. a wasted opportunity, especially how much better they are than purple pinstripes. You don't put dark pinstripes on a dark color. This is 101, guys. 101. They look like pajamas. Black and purple, dark purple and black. I. Those are the jerseys that say like full Los Angeles on the front too, right? It's, it's too much so text. Bad. It's so bad, dude. Uh, it's so annoying because the Lakers have just unequivocally one of the greatest logos greatest jerseys in all of the iconic NBA. iconic exactly They're showtime iconic. like you you don't have to you don't have to change it you don't have to you put don't have pinstripes to on it <laughs> Pin- oh my god and like honestly the the image of lebron in a black mamba he he would just look so like drop dead hunky and it would destroy all of the, would, the Kobe over LeBron guys. It would. <laughs> what? Oh my god! We should get a LeBron jersey next season. Is that too, too soon? I think it's That's too, too soon. Yes. Who would we do? Who should we do? We can just Palinka. What would that Kobe be? Bring the Kobe ones back. You know, I don't see the problem. <laughs> we should just bring the Kobe ones back. Look, I can't stand it anymore. Fix it. There's absolutely no justifiable reason that we shouldn't have the dopest uniforms in the league. Because of all the reasons we just talked about, how we have, like, one of the most iconic logos and jersey looks in the league, and also we're the Lakers, and we have the most money, and we should just be able to afford that. Laker film room and Anthony Irwin talked, I think it was on Locked On. It must have been on Locked On, because they were talking a few weeks ago about how we're in, like, a gilded age of the Lakers, where everything is, like, shitty, but it's, like, coated in gold so it looks expensive yeah and it's just we're supposed to be the best of the best and we just we have so much money and we aren't hiring the best people there's no effort to do so and nowhere is that more glaringly and offensively obvious than uniform design anyway that's my reverse and defensive i'm mad about it and i think that they need to do better next season because it's stupid because we have to watch the games this is an aesthetic basketball is also like an entertainment thing it's an aesthetic thing and if you're gonna give the Laker girls like the most cutest outfits ever, we have the best outfits for our dancers yeah. in any other We team. also need the Lakers to have good outfits. Yes, like this is ridiculous, okay? There should be at least like an equality of outfits between the Laker girls and the Lakers Absolutely. team. It goes back to your yeah. original point about the heteronormative gazing experience, exactly. right? I think <clears throat> men care about this too. Yeah, I mean, they're buying them, so they yeah. want them to look good. All right, now on to our actual favorite segment of the week. <laughs> oh, it's this is actually everyone's favorite segment of the week. It's the, you know what it is. I don't even need to say it anymore, <laughs> but I'm gonna. It's the I'll Knock Your Mother <laughs> Ass Out Award. Sponsored, sponsored by, by Brandon, Brandon Ingram. Ingram. And this week, also by his unrivaled dedication to cold cocking those who threaten his teammates. I love that about him. <laughs> It was a tough one this week, actually. I don't think it was tough at all. What? I think it I was too. very clear. Okay. Well, I mean, there's like, the. I think that maybe my love for Jamario Jones, like, kind of gets in the way a little bit. I thought you had undying love for Alex Caruso. I have both, but Jamario <clears throat> Jones charmed 
you know, he just really charmed me this week. Yeah, this is this is not particularly close. We're, we're okay, making an executive decision me. here. <laughs> Sabrina's taking over. She decided was- I'm no longer writing segments <laughs> and that she's just going to take this over. The Alex Caruso That's dunk, fine. put back dunk against it the Golden was. State Warriors was absolutely <laughs> the best dunk of the week. Who else? But our very own bald eagle. Absolutely. Soaring out of pretty much nowhere. Yeah. To just come to the hoop and posterize teammate and friend JaVale McGee <laughs> in the process. Alex Caruso, our guy. The reactions to this dunk are absolutely incredible. First, incredible. you've got Kevin Harlan on the call, who's number one or number two best NBA broadcaster in mm-hmm. the business. What does he say? He said, you cannot stop him. You, <laughs> you can, can only hope, hope to contain him. <laughs> Which is true. Echoes what Doris Burke once said about Zubats. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That you cannot hope to stop him. You can only hope to delay him or something like that. Yeah. So You've those got are the two Lakers of our young bench guys. reactions, right? Mm-hmm. Which LeBron's got his hand on his head, just unable to comprehend what just happened. What? What? When you look at the baseline cam, the Golden State players are just dumbfounded. Yeah. Blank oh, gaze on their Kevin faces. Durant was speechless. He could <laughs> not believe say. what had just happened over his head. He could not believe. You got, uh, I think Tyson was just like arms crossed on the bench. Like, so he was just thinking about it. Yeah. Wow, that really just happened, y'all. That's how you know it's a bigger moment than the Jamaria Jones one because it didn't it's have true. like the the staying power of the Alex. Jamaria Jones got a tech though. He did get a tech. He was so because he did a chin up. <laughs> and did didn't not, even know. Didn't realize <laughs> that you weren't allowed to do that in the NBA. He's getting an honorable mention this week. Perfectly legitimate honorable mention. Yeah. I'd also like to give one to Alex Caruso for dunking all over Stephen Adams against OKC. Oh. The reason Deep for cut. that is because I think it really embodies the spirit of this award because. <laughs> Michael Scala, while watching the dunk, literally had his ass fall out of the chair. Wow. So Caruso knocked his... Mike Muscala's ass out. <laughs> Has to be mentioned. I need to go rewatch that. That's a deep cut. I don't even remember that. This is what happens when you're watching 3D old film of like, yeah. Oklahoma City. <laughs> and you just know they're going to lose. <laughs> we could not have hoped for a better end to this season, considering. 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 <laughs> From where we were on March 8th, you know, yeah, when we got... started the show on March 4th? Yeah, why did I say March 8th? Sorry. Not even sure. <laughs> From where we were back when we lost to the Clippers yeah, in that third game against the Clippers, it really seemed like the rest of the season was just going to be a slog. Yeah, we were going to really have to tough. deal with all of this garbage from the rest of the league about how the Lakers had underperformed and wasted a year of LeBron, but... I'm pretty, happy. A little bit of that. I'm pretty happy with the last two weeks. I thought that we actually did a little bit of work. There was like a little bit of work where it, it kind of served to have a little bit of like time, a few games that were truly garbage games mm-hmm. so that we could put in a few of our G League guys and just test their metal and see what's going on and see if anyone's worth bringing back. And lo and be freaking hold. There are some contenders. Alex Caruso just birthed. Yeah, I'm very worried about somebody offering him a contract that the Lakers are unwilling to match. It's just, we talked about this on the Silver Spring and Roll chat, just that for all of the garbage that the front office has pulled, like, if they do not give Caruso a qualifying offer and make him a free agent, that could very well be the last straw. Yeah. Just a stunning level of incompetence and lack of foresight. Yeah. That we absolutely will not, I I just won't be able to put up with it. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised, but it would be terrible. 
I'm going to allow myself to be surprised. <laughs> I'm going to give myself permission. Yes, we should end with some positive vibes, right? Maybe we've all learned all our about. lessons from this year. You know, yeah. Maybe we've all figured out some valuable tools to use going forward. Look, even if you don't have a ton of confidence in the front office, nothing about this season has diminished my confidence in LeBron at all. Absolutely. I always talk, I always address the haters. <laughs> I like to address the LeBron haters. I think that people took this season as a way to hate on LeBron because it's so easy. Like, it's just an easy target at this point. You miss the playoffs, it's easy. Yeah, and he, he did show the fact that he's aging. He's know, aging. Which is, yeah. cannot be denied at this point. It cannot be denied. If we thought, if we think that last season is LeBron's last viable season, you're not paying attention. All right, well, that's our show. That's our show, guys. That's our show. We had a good uh, good run. We're not, it's not over. But we've enjoyed talking about the regular season with y'all. Yeah. Next week, we'll probably talk about the last game of the season, maybe even the one that happened today. Yeah. Who knows? And then we'll, uh, we'll figure it out from there. Thanks for listening. Uh, make sure to subscribe to the Silver Screen and Roll podcast. We have shows about the Lakers every day. Every single day. Thanks for joining us. Hope you have a great week, everyone. And uh, let's go manipulate some more playoff seating. Let's go manipulate some more playoff seating. And you know what else? Let's just tamper the fuck out of this season, okay? This off season. Let's do it, y'all. Um,